Hey, this is Dr. Rob. Welcome to Biblical Genetics. I'm coming to you today from Seattle in the Pacific Northwest of the United States, where it is the exact opposite environment of my last Biblical Genetics episode that I filmed in Egypt, where I was worried about heat stroke. And here it's going to be raining for the next 10 days, about 50 degrees every single day. Actually, I love this weather. This is made for me. I'm rejoicing in the cool wetness and the Actually, the sun's coming out for the first time since I got here three days ago, but this is a lot of fun. I'm on the road. I've got a very busy travel schedule. The Apologetics Forum is a local creation group up here run by one of my good friends, and he's got me on the road for 10 days. I've already spoken in two different churches and two different schools, and I have another church to speak in tonight. It's very busy. Being on the road is a creation speaker. But this episode of Biblical Genetics, I want to go back to something I left hanging in Egypt, and it's the question of, why the Egyptians, even though that country is in Africa, are not black? It's an excellent question. How can a people group look very Mediterranean in their coloration, even though they're on Africa? Even though we know there's been immigration from the south, the darker skinned people in the south moving north, how come they're not dark skinned? The answer to that is going to open up a window into history and into biology, and it's going to inform us about a lot of other people groups in the world who obviously have mixed with others over time, but from the surface, you can't tell. The first and greatest reason why the average Egyptian is not dark-complexioned is that they're Mediterranean peoples. They've interacted with the Syrians, with the Israelis, with the Phoenicians, the Italians, the Greeks, the Libyans, from time immemorial. There's always been waves of migration, invasion, warfare, and genetic exchange because when men go to places, they tend to leave their genes behind. Let's leave that uh, PG discussion for another day. But my point is that any people group living next to another people group, there's gonna be a lot of exchange of DNA. And hence, they reflect the average people around them, except there is a large group of people in the south called the Nubians. Now, this is interesting because the Nubians that live in Egypt are Egyptians legally, but complexion-wise and cultural-wise, they're a different people group. The Nubians have been interacting with the Egyptians since forever. We know that there, there was at one point a Nubian pharaohs of Egypt. We know there's been genetic exchange and migrations up and down the Nile from Nubia. But with that big input of African genetics, how come the average Egyptian doesn't look African or the typical African? Well, there's a couple of reasons why you wouldn't expect, even with lots of genetic exchange, for a people group to turn color, if you would, over time. And one of them is called lineage extinction. We see it most strongly in the Icelandic population. The Icelanders have got great records going back hundreds of years, sometimes thousands, well, sometimes a thousand years per, per family, and they pretty much know who descend from whom because of the church records. But looking at those church records, going back to the late 1700s, we realize that most of the people that were alive then don't have any living offspring today. Most lineages go extinct eventually. Either you don't have kids or grandkids or great-grandkids. And this is in a, in a population that has not experienced a significant amount of warfare. They did have Black Plague, okay, but from the 1700s till today, nothing dramatic has happened in that population, yet most people still didn't leave any offspring. Therefore, just because, for example, a darker-skinned individual migrates into a population of lighter-skinned individuals, and even if they have leave children behind, because of lineage extinction, it's quite likely that that person will have no living descendants over time. Therefore, poof, his genetics, his genealogy simply disappear. 
in order to get mixing and, and leftover DNA from a mixing population, you need a significant number of people, not just a few, a lot. That brings us to the next thing that influences the way people look and, and uh, merging populations, why they don't always look like a complete mixture of the two initial populations. You have, when you're talking about skin color, eye color, hair color, there's not a single gene that influences those things. As multiple genes influence your skin color. So even if you had, let's say, an African great-grandfather, great-great-grandfather, and the rest of your genealogy was European or Asian, it doesn't mean that you're ever going to have a person with dark skin. Because, yeah, you might have inherited that one allele and that one gene that contributes dark skin, but what about all the others? The probability of you inheriting two of them is low because of dilution. When you're talking about a multi-genetic trait, dilution is a huge factor. When you're talking about simple Mendelian traits, yeah, you can have genes pop up from generation to generation. If they're uh, recessive, they can remain hidden, and all of a sudden you have you know, the red-haired grandkid or something like that. But in general, most traits for the things that we look at in people require more than one gene. So you're not gonna get a dark-skinned person popping out at random unless there's a lot of those alleles floating around the population that can come together. It doesn't happen too often in most populations, even though most populations are mixed with other populations and have done so through time. So the probability of inheriting enough genetic factors that make you look like a different people group are really low, even in a well-mixed population. The third and biggest reason why the Egyptians aren't dark is the fact that when you have a person migrate into a population and they start having children, it's not necessarily true that that person is gonna add any DNA to future generations. Even though they have living individuals, even if their lineage hasn't gone extinct, despite dilution, DNA peters out over time. So we have lineage extinction and gene dilution, and then the single greatest reason why the Egyptians don't have dark skin is genetic recombination. It's hard to picture this on an entire genome. So let's just focus down on one chromosome. In fact, let's focus on one arm of one chromosome. Let's take the first arm of chromosome one. You have two copies of that. You got one from your father and one from your mother. But the copy that you got from your father is actually a recombined version of his two parents' chromosome one's first arm. And when recombination happens in that chromosome, there's probably one or two recombinations on average per generation, but they're random places. So that piece of that chromosome that you got from your dad might have a little piece of grandma and a big piece of grandpa. But the one you got from your mom might have a, an equal number from her parents. It's 50-50, 70-20, 70-30, 90-10. It's just randomly placed along that chromosome. When you have a child, your two chromosomes are going to recombine. And the pieces of grandma and grandpa, both grandmas and both grandpas, are going to be scrambled. It's quite likely that if you only got a little piece from one of your grandmothers, it's a 50-50 chance that that piece is not going to be passed on. And therefore, that grandparent isn't even represented in your children in that piece of that chromosome. So you can have recombination delete ancestors. And it happens very quickly Across the entire genome, it takes several generations. By the time you hit five or six generations, you're starting to lose people. Because, yeah, you didn't get that ancestor in chromosome one. Next generation, well, they're missing in chromosome three. Next generation, they're missing chromosome five, six, and 12. And five or six generations later, you have people in your family tree that lived in the 1800s that you didn't get any DNA from. 
You go back 10 generations, 20 generations, you're talking like 99% of the people in your family tree are actually not your genetic ancestors. That's crazy weird, but that's the facts of biology. DNA is not infinitely divisible. It's not like you take a drop of ink and put it in a bucket and watch the ink spread out and turn the entire bucket you know, blue, let's say. That's not the way it works. DNA is inherited in chunks, and once those chunks are smaller than the average recombination block size, they're inherited in a 50-50 manner across your entire genome, and your ancestors start getting deleted genetically. So one reason why the Egyptians aren't black is that not enough Nubians have migrated into Egypt proper for the genes to be spread out in the population so that enough of the people have the dark-skinned alleles. In fact, the Nubians that have come in in the past, because there weren't many of them, the DNA over time was simply lost. So those are three big reasons why Egyptians don't have dark skin. This also applies to many other populations. Populations, when, when we look at them, they have changed over time. Just look at the European population. The earliest Europeans were Neanderthals. And then we have a, a group of hunter-gatherers, most of whom had dark-skinned genes and blue-eyed genes. And then you had a group of people from Turkey, from Anatolia, moving in with farms. And that's the first time we see the light-skinned alleles enter Europe. But then we had a massive wave of migration from the east, from the steppes of Asia, washing in and, and overwhelming those initial people. So the, the, the average European genome today is like 70% from Asia, maybe 20, 25% from Anatolia, a little bit from those hunter-gatherers, maybe 2 or 3% from Neanderthals. But we call them white. And yet, that makes no sense because some of their ancestors weren't white. In fact, they're totally not white. So you have a mixture of people from very different looking populations and the darker population just disappeared. The genes are still there. The probability of you inheriting those alleles is very low, but the genes are there in the background. So this is the reason why your average Irish person looks like your average Irish person. You'll be really surprised to get a really dark person unless they've got a darker skinned or darker haired person in their heritage. It's not gonna happen. So even though you have Neanderthals in your family, you don't look like a Neanderthal. Even though you had dark skinned people, you Europeans, in your family tree, you don't have dark skin. Even though there's been wave after wave of migration into Europe, those people got diluted their lineages went extinct, or their chromosomes simply rearranged themselves to the point where the DNA wasn't inherited over time. And we can go all across the world and make similar arguments because most people have genetics from mixed racial groups, meaning that we have a really hard time defining the word race today in the field of genetics. You know, one of my goals with biblical genetics is not always to talk strictly about the Bible, but to talk about things in the world of genetics that intersect with biblical ideas. And the rise of races and the origin of races is a critical question. Well, I've talked about this before. Some of the things I said on this episode, I've said before. If you want more on that, there'll be some links in the show notes about episodes where I talk about this thing in more depth. But the rise of races is not something we need millions of years in evolution to explain. We can talk about this in a biblical standpoint, just the people coming off of Noah's Ark, and Babel splitting them apart into little people groups, and each little people group not getting all the genetics of the original, and so they're an isolated population. They start inbreeding, they start losing DNA, and then later on they start interacting and mixing with one another because history is complicated and a lot of fun. But my point is this. Genetics and the Bible 
work together. We don't have to fight over where the races come from. Within Christianity, it is, because we know where they came from. God created Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve's descendants were on the ark. The ark descendants filled up the world that we have today. There's actually not many genetic differences from one place to another. And there's very few genes that you can say, okay, this gene is only in Africa or only in Asia or only in Europe. There are very few of those. Genetically, we're so incredibly similar that clearly we came from a small population a short time ago and the rise of races is not really a struggle. And my little tangential way of getting at this, discussing you know, why the Egyptians are not black, is really getting into that issue of races and racism. If you want more information, go to creation.com, just type in races, type in genetics of race, type in DNA race, type in Carter race, Carter genetics, something like that, and you're gonna come up with articles I've written of other people have written on the subject. Biblical answers to these questions. If you want more video content or audio content, you can go to biblicalgenetics.com and look up some of my older episodes where I touched on these things. Uh, there'll be links directly in the show notes, but you can also just scroll through the, uh, the catalog and find something you might be interested in watching or listening. And finally, Thank you to all of my supporters. I would not be here without you. If you'd like to help support my efforts on biblical genetics, it's really easy. Just look in the show notes for the link for buymeacoffee.com or for uh, patreon.com. And if you can't see it, there's a little thing that says show more. Click on show more if you're on YouTube and that'll open up more information. And there'll be more things for you to click on and to look at there. Thank you so much. Have a blessed day.